I'm Kim Grenlins of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and it's Wednesday. Practice again in the stadium today. A little bit cold out there. That wind comes whipping off the water, and temperature can drop real, real quick. But uh, good day of practice with uh, full pads inside Husky Stadium. But the big news coming over in Heck Ed, Bank of America Arena, Isaiah Stewart, five-star center power forward, signed his letter of intent. So he's officially signed with the University of Washington. And, Chris, this kid is an absolute monster. You saw him play in the All-American games and the All-Star games. Uh, just your impressions of what you saw out of Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think, you know, it's just like with football players in the All-American games. You know, it's it's probably not a fair reflection, but uh, he is such an animal. I mean, just going after rebounds, really tough going to the glass and, and putting the ball uh, in from inside. They just, they need another, you know, kind of Noah Dickerson type that can really just overpower guys inside and make things happen. And so they're going to find that guy. You know, he's 6'9", 245 pounds. Um, I thought he did a great job in the McDonald's game. Yeah, you can talk about this wingspan. Seven foot five wingspan. Yeah. And, and, shots. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, you've got all that as well. And, and I would say, too, I was really more impressed when he played with his high school team, La Lumiere, um, when they were in the Geico Nationals. They made it all the way to the final. Now, they were the number one seed, so they should have probably won, but they lost to IMG in the final. I want to say Josh Green, the kid from Ari- the kid that's going to Arizona, was yeah. playing for IMG. But um, really good. I mean, super aggressive. Really runs the floor hard constantly. I mean, the motor doesn't stop for a guy that big. That's probably the thing that I was really most impressed Nate with. Nate Robinson type energy. Um, yes, brings it. And how many big? How how often do you find a big like that who brings that much energy? To Washington? No, anywhere. You just don't. I was going to say, the last big that brought that kind of energy running down the floor all the time is Brockman, to me, in terms of just constantly bringing it, constantly banging, constantly trying to get after it on both ends. Um, That's the only comparison I can make, but this guy's bigger than Brockman. Real good low post score. He also can shoot the three, and when he shoots the three, he looks natural shooting it. Um, He's a really, really interesting kid. Um, when I've talked to him, and you heard the conversation, Chris, he's a different cat. He's wired different. Very, very, very bright. Very, very intelligent. Um, you know, he's just a special kid, not only on the court, off the court. Huge get for Coach Mike Hopkins. He's a program changer, and I'll stand by this, and I don't usually talk like this. He very well could be the best basketball player to ever suit up for the University of Washington. He's that good. He's special. Well, considering they've had number one draft picks, you know, you know that's that's definitely saying something. I would say, um, shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone that once he made the decision live on ESPN, everyone came after him and all that stuff. But again, if you listen to him and you listen to what he says, this guy's a different cat. I mean, this guy when he says he wants to do things his own way, he's kind of led by his own path, and he wants to kind of. It was all about fit for him and the relationship that he had with Mike Hopkins. He was that's a hundred percent on the money. I mean, this guy is just different in in a lot of ways, and I think that's why he's going to be such a good fit at Washington. Because, I, you know, I, I know maybe people are going to take this the wrong way, but I think sometimes the players that come to Washington aren't necessarily the guys that are going to be always the top five guys, things like that. They, they're, they, it takes a special kind of kid to really fit in well here and adapt, and especially when they're coming all the way from New York. But his relationship with Nas Carter, 
his, you know, his relationship with Mike Hopkins. I think that really endured over the time of the recruitment, and that's where it really paid the dividends. I'm telling you, next year with this kid and then Quade Green, the transfer from um, Kentucky, and what they've got coming in, this could be a real special year next year for Washington. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is still out there, still no word when he plans to sign, if he plans to sign, all kinds of rumors about that. Maybe the quietest recruit I've ever dealt with. He doesn't say anything to anybody. You know, and uh, so just keep your eyes on Jaden McDaniels, the uh, big time guy out of Federway High School. But people are going to get honest. They want to talk football. Well, right. But I would also say real quick that it's not dead on Jalen Noel coming back to Washington either. I no, mean, he could as long as he withdraws in a certain amount of time, he's got the agent that can help him go through the process. But as long as he withdraws, I think, I don't remember if it's early June or when it is, but as long as he gets out in time, he can still be eligible to come back and play for Washington. So if they added a Jaden McDaniels and then Jalen Noel comes back with an Isaiah Stewart, with a Quad A Green, with the guys they already have, whether it's a Jamal Bay or a Nas Carter, Hamir Wright, Elijah Hardy, all these guys coming back. Brian. And then we Brian Penn Johnson, uh, Nate, Nate Roberts, we, you know, guys that we haven't really seen much but they spring so much athleticism and size. And then obviously Raekwon Battle's coming in. Marcus Shahonis is coming in. Um, it's a whole, it's going to be a new look lineup because of all the seniors they left. But man, it could be something special. All right. Football. You ready to talk some football, Scott? Yeah. Fo- yeah. Focus on the quarterbacks again today. Update us on the quarterback. Well, I, I mean, Chris made a good point and I kind of rolled with it in, in my, uh, you know, practice review, wrap up, whatever you want to call it. Um, basically, two, the two guys that we thought were going to be battling for the starting spot are the ones that kind of separated themselves, and the ones got, I think, ninety nine point nine percent of the reps with the first unit. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Colson Yankoff or uh, Jacob Sermon got any reps with with. Um, even I don't even know if they even got second team reps. I think they might have gotten third team reps that I saw um, out there. But the uh, Jacob Eason, Jake Hainer both got first and second team reps all day. Dylan Morris didn't even see the field as far as um, full team session was concerned. So um, just today, when when I think those two have kind of started to separate themselves, like you said, Chris and and um, just. You know, I think the battle is really now down to those two guys. Yeah, I was going to say when, you know, people on the message boards have been trying to apply, you know, logic to this battle and how it works. I think sometimes it gets lost that they don't realize that the coaches need to get two, three guys ready. I mean, they just the the starting guy is going to is going to eventually that that race is going to filter itself out over time. Chris Peterson's certainly not going to name a starter probably until the week of the Eastern game. I just don't. That's just kind of in his nature. He doesn't want to give anything away. He doesn't want to give away a competitive advantage. So I think we can pretty much say with a certain amount of certainty that, that, uh, that that's not going to happen. But I think we can say that Hayner and Eason, to me, are the ones that have really stood out. And it's not so much today, Scott. They got the majority of the reps with the first team on Monday as well. Keep in mind what Chris Peterson said post-practice, you know, and when uh, he was asked about splitting up the reps and all that kind of stuff. He said it's on Bush because he said that this spring ball is about improving skills. So, you know, I know everything's about competition, but it kind of perked my ears when he said that, that 
we probably shouldn't read too much into the reps here and there. Those two are obvious, the guys. And right now, this isn't really about competition. It's about improving skills, and that's what I'm seeing a lot out in practice. Well, I would agree 100%, but I would also add that the first two weeks of spring ball, all of those guys got reps, even reps. Now the first two practices of the third week, I think their reps have changed, and it's it's not been just like a slight change either. It looks like it's been a, a lot more noticeable than probably I even would have thought. And like I said, Jake Hayner, Jacob Eason, those have been the ones in the team period. Because what happens for people that don't know, in the team periods, there's, there's some team periods where they're actually – ascribing points to what goes on. So if a field goal gets kicked, the the offense gets three points, but the defense gets four, and they get four because they kept them out of the end zone, right? right? So in those kind of scenarios, the defense has always won those battles because they the offense didn't score a touchdown until literally the last drive of this practice on Wednesday when Jay Kaner kind of led them, and then I think it was Saban Achman that scored a touchdown around the end. But – to be honest with you, the defense is still running the, 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 the running the show these first two days. But those 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 team periods, Kim, those really have all been about Eason and Hayner kind of running it. Whether it's been two minute drills, whether they've been putting points on these things, you know, no matter how they they try to to, to differentiate the competition. Those are the two guys that have really been getting the reps. And, Scott, we were talking about this out at practice today, that both quarterbacks are having a tough time getting the ball downfield. Lots of dump-offs, but, you know, the defense is just playing that well. The guys aren't open. Yeah, the guys aren't really open. Some of that's on the receivers. They're not, they're not getting separation like they should, but that could, some of that could be attributed to the fact that Quint, Quentin Pounds is out, Aaron Fuller's out, Ty Jones is out. <clears throat> Those are your three, three of your top probably, what, four or five receivers on the team, and those guys aren't able to get the, – the newer guys I just I don't think have figured out yet. But, I mean, Terrell Bynum, and he's been here for three – this is his third year. Uh, this will be his third year. Um, Marquis Spiker and Austin Osborne, the, these are guys that – you know, Austin Osborne I think has gotten you know some separation and Spiker a little bit here and there, and Terrell Bynum obviously in those first couple practices had the long bombs and everything like that. But for the most part, they've been locked down, and, and some of that's inexperience, but some of that's just these guys got to figure it out. they got to get it done because they were, came in with these reputations as being big-time receivers, and they're not getting it done. We had a couple moments of practice today, and one of them was when uh, uh, Jacob Eason dropped back, and it was obvious he was going to throw it long, and we go, here we go. We're going to get to see yeah. that arm. What happened? It went 25 yards <laughs> <laughs> and looked like a dying quail. It slipped out of his yeah. hand. It looked. I said it reminded me of a, a Hamid Shar Shar punt. It was shanked. It mm-hmm. was just. It was funny. It just floated up in the air forever. It obviously yeah. slipped out of well, his it hand. Well, it was a hail mary that turned into a fail mary yeah. in a hurry. Yeah. And it or was a whale uh, mary the way it was looking yeah, up. It was uh, Isaiah Gilchrist is the one that picked it off. Yeah, yeah. juggled it. It was pretty funny. And then the other moment, um, Jay Kaner. Um, Threw a ball. I don't know who it's intended from, but off of Brandon McKinney, I believe. Yeah, just off of his chest. Off his chest, up in the air. And then the rumbling, stumbling, Trey Adams picked it up out of the air. Yeah. And it he was... got a first down. Got a first down out of it. Do um, we think he would have scored? I don't think he would have scored. Where, that happened where? About the 40-yard line? 35, yeah, 40-yard line, something like that, yeah. It going in. So he could have had about 35 to 40 yards to go. 
I don't know. I mean, he, I, I think he, he wouldn't. Have, he wouldn't have scored, but he he might have got to like twenty. I he might have got. I think he would have gotten in the red zone pretty yeah. easily. Well, if you were to time it from the forty to the end zone, how what would it have been? <laughs> forty to the end zone. Um, I'd say my guess would be probably about six six, six seconds, six or seven <laughs> seconds. It was funny watching him lumbering and faster than us. I don't care what anybody says. Well, what, what's funny is I went back and and looked at um, our our recount of his reception, even though it went in the books as a carry because it was a lateral, but he caught, he catches the pass from Jake Brown against Montana, uh, in 2017, September of 2017. And, uh, he couldn't figure out which arm to put the ball in. He, he was like, he just held it with both arms and that's what he ended up getting nine yards instead of the 13 for the touchdown. So I think we were all kind of wondering too, after we saw this play today with Trey, why Trey was the one that got that play instead of Caleb McGarry. I think we they, all wondered that yeah. during the seat when it happened. Because yeah, Caleb last year about yeah. him getting his reception. Because he played tight end in high school. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one more thing, Scott. You know, when we talk about the quarterbacks, it's um, I, I think that Hainers had a lot more interceptions than Eason uh, over the spring. But it also seems like Hainers trying to force the ball in and get it downfield mm-hmm. um, where guys aren't open as much. And, you know, it's almost like Eason's dumping it off a little bit more in frustration. Yeah, I. it's hard to tell. The, the, one of the things that a lot of people have said about Jake Hainer, the people who watch practice on a regular basis, are relatively close to the program, is that he's got that gunslinger mentality that can frustrate the hell out of coaches, but it's the ones that also seem to be able to get those big plays. And, and I mean... I'm not saying I'm not comparing him to Brett Favre, okay, but that's the kind of mentality well, that he brings. But I to think the table. people saw it. I think people yeah. saw it against North North Dakota. Yeah, you know, pe- people are going to remember the Cal game, but don't also forget yeah. the North Dakota game, which is what got everyone all jazzed up about the possibility of Jake Hayner being better than Jake Browning, which in hindsight is you know it's crazy, but. I remember the conversations after the North Dakota game when he went what seven for seven, through the through the twenty five yard touchdown to I can't even remember who it was but yeah, um, yeah. and so it, I think that kind of fed into a little bit of that gunslinger mindset. Yeah, well, you know, I but in high school I always thought Jacob Eason had that. I don't. I honestly don't think that Jacob Eason's that comfortable right now. And maybe that's a good thing because you want the players to be uncomfortable. And how do they handle adversity? You know, because not every game you're not going to feel comfortable in every game that you play in. So maybe that's a good thing, but Jacob Eason does not look comfortable out there. Well, he just seems like nobody's open, and he's looking but, for somewhere to throw the ball. But gunslingers, and I, he came, when he came out of Lake Stevens High School, he had that gunslinger mentality, and he doesn't have that here. I, I think he's playing real tight right now. I, I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if it's him trying to just stick with what the play is called. There was a time today when uh, um, Hainer was complaining about a play call, and and what did Peterson yell at him? He said, just play quarterback, we'll make the calls, you know, kind of thing. And and so, But I don't know if Jacob Eason would feel comfortable doing that right now. I, I, I just don't know if he'd feel comfortable – Saying, "Hey, I don't want to do that that play. I don't think it's a good play call." Right well, now, I, I also my two cents on that is, is that I think the defense is making it difficult for those guys too. I think that has to be a big that has to factor into it as well. That I don't disagree with you, Chris, but they've got to figure out a way to move the ball. They're going to face good good defenses. 
Uh, Are they going to face a defense as good as Washington? <laughs> not as good as Washington, maybe, but and and for for uh, um, reality's sake, let let's let's really call it what it is. These these defensive guys have seen these routes day in and day out for the for the past two and a half weeks. So so it isn't like a play is a surprise to them. But still, I the the offense has to figure out a way to get Alabama's offense. Okay. You know, when, when they have big-time receivers, guys who are big-time receivers, their guys are getting open. They're making plays. You watch some of these pro, um, spring games and other, you know, that are on ESPN or whatever. You watch them, and the play, the players are making plays. It isn't completely dominated by the defense. So the, this offense, regardless of what adversity they're facing, they got to figure out a way to make plays. And they're not doing it right now. Well, when they try to make plays, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, Scott, um, and trying to get the ball downfield, mm-hmm. defensive backs have dropped a lot of a lot of interceptions this well, spring. Yeah, um, Isaiah Gilchrist. You know, we mentioned the one interception he did have. He did have a drop as well. Had one. He should have been an easy interception on uh, um, Jacob Sermon, who threw threw behind Austin Osborne on a play and should have had that pick. Um, but. I was going to uh, say, it's not, it's, not just the, yeah. it's not just the DBs, too. Because yeah, the, Brandon Wellington had Brandon, one. Yeah. Josh Calvert mm-hmm. should have had one. Yeah, so the – the, the you know I, I remember being at a at a football camp one time watching these receivers go out and run you know the prospects go out and run run passes or run routes and everything and and uh, they came back and and the coach sat him down and he says I see a lot of guys who will look really good as defensive backs because they're not making the catches that they needed to play and and that's the reputation that defensive backs have you know is that they don't catch the ball that's why they're playing defense so um, but. You know, there was a couple. I mean, Brandon Wellington would have been doing push-ups because that was a pick six that he should have had. I mean, that Hainer threw it first pass of the of the day, wasn't it? I think it was the first pretty, one of the day. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, and and Hainer th- just you could tell he just didn't see him, and and because he threw it right into his hands, just like Colson Yankoff threw one right into the hands of uh, Jackson Sermon, who. I'm sorry, MJ Tafisi, who did make his interception today. And one of the guys I think said just had one of the best spring camps, and he's just playing so well right now. Elijah Molden. I mm-hmm. mean, he just seems to just yeah. get it done. Yeah, he comes up and runs support. He's in coverage. He's locked in pretty well. And, and you can see see that he's playing with a lot of confidence. I, I think the fact that he's playing um, over the nickel now, and, or I'm sorry, over the over the slot now, and Miles Bryant has moved back to safety. I think that's really your best five. Whoever it wins the battle between Kyler Gordon and Dominique Campton, that's your best five. And then the other one is your best six corners for or best six defensive backs. Well, and we should also say yeah. too that sometimes we were even seeing dime packages mm-hmm. and those where all those guys are playing, you mm-hmm. know. And so now it's like Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake may just go, you know what? I don't want to make a decision. I'm just going to use more defensive backs and less linebackers or do whatever it takes to get those guys on the field because they are difference makers. I didn't, I, Nicholas are base defense. Yeah, I didn't even discuss Isaiah. We, we already discussed Gilchrist and what he did earlier today, but I didn't even include him in that top six. I think in a lot of uh, secondaries within the Pac-12, 
he'd probably be in the top two, three, four guys. And he's he's number seven on Washington's list. Yeah, we were t- I was talking to uh, Will Harris. Heck, he might be number eight if Cameron Williams is playing like we think he's going to be playing this fall. Sorry. I was talking a little about Will Harris, you know, about last year, you know, when um, some teams would walk up and they would see Jackson Kirkland and Caleb McGarry as the right side, just how big mm-hmm. and intimidating that could be. And, and you talked about it on Monday, Scott. Keith Taylor on one side and Dominic Hampton on the other. Oh, yeah. those are that. I mean, that big boys. Um, uh, Will said Legion of Boom stuff right there. Yeah, it <laughs> really is. It really right is. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, too, you mentioned Elijah Molden having a great day. I really thought Keith Taylor had a really good day today, too. I mean, during those team periods when he was locked in one on one, he's just going to make life miserable for whichever receiver is, is paired up against him. And he's going to let him know it. Too. Well, he he seems to have that that the second practice of, of camp was the one when he got burned by Terrell Bynum for the touchdown. Has he been burned by anybody since then? Now, to be fair, I haven't seen many times where we've seen a lot of one on ones, thirty, forty yards down the field, like we did that particular practice. Uh, that said, no. Yeah, <laughs> haven't haven't seen it come close. He's just locked down his side, and that's the left side of the field typically. Yeah. And, and let's let's be fair. Let's set the the context here. Today, there was a lot of team periods that started within, like, the 30, 35-yard line going in. So you, unless they tried, like, a, a pass on first down over the top, for instance, you weren't going to see a lot of, yeah. of passes of 20 or 30 yards in those particular team periods. Another guy who flashed today, Miles Rice had a really good practice. Yeah, he did. Um, I counted at least two and a half sacks because I think he shared one with somebody, but he might have had three and a half sacks. He was in quite a bit today. Now, granted, it was against the second O-line. Um, so it was either Bainavalu or Mateo Mele, who was playing a lot of uh, left tackle today, um, playing. So, um, but yeah, I I, uh, I thought he had probably one of his better practices, not just of this spring, but probably of his career. I mean, he, it's the first time I've really seen him make that kind of a difference in a practice. Also, I had a chance to talk to Akaika Malloy um, about you know we've seen where guys have really stepped up in their senior year and had breakout years, and this could be the year for Benning Potoe. Yeah, because he's they're using him all over the place. Yeah, Benning Potoe, man, he's a he's a big time talent, and um, I I have said from the beginning I thought he was playing out of position, playing outside at linebacker as a stand up pass rusher. I thought he was better with his hand in the ground, and that's what he's kind of showing. You know, I talked to him. So people don't know we have a gaggle, and sometimes we double up on the on the guys. But I talked to uh, Kaika as well and asked him about Benning as well, and he said, he said, yeah, he's just – it's clicking for him. It's It took a little bit, but it's clicking for him now, and, and he's really playing well. Yeah, I think he could be a surprise guy on the defense. He's definitely got the leadership out there. But, uh, you know, with that quickness from the inside, you know, everybody's looking um, for that quickness from the inside to get some pressure. And, you know, and he's used to pressuring the quarterback from the outside, but if they can get some pressure from the inside, that changes the ball game mm-hmm. for any defense. Everybody's looking for Michael Bennett. Uh, who isn't? Yeah. Well, and again, let's – I mean, let's not jump too far ahead. But with the numbers that they have not necessarily had with outside linebacker because they moved Benning up to the defensive line, because you've really only had Joe Tryon, Ryan Bowman, and Miles Rice as being the main guys, and then guys like uh, Eddie Ulufosio uh, and uh, Ariel Nada have been kind of mixing between mm-hmm. the inside and outside guys. You have to think that Leatulatu has to be getting primed for, for an opportunity just based on the numbers alone. 
could you see could you see an inside situation where on certain pass downs you could have an interior of like Benning, Tryon, Latu, some of those guys really causing some problems inside. I just I just think the the, the opportunities available and the options that guys like Pete Kwiatkowski, Akaika Malloy, Jimmy Laker are going to have up front, um, mouthwatering. Yeah, and then you can just always throw in another corner. <laughs> well, like I said, I mean, you know, when we talk about the seven, six DBs out there with being their six best guys right now, you know, it may be a situation where, you know, because typically what, what's the thing for the offensive line? Scott Huffs is saying, I want my five best guys out there. Mm-hmm. Well, now if you're Jimmy Lake and you're saying, I need my best 11 guys out there on defense, who is going to say out of all the guys on defense that at least six of those guys aren't coming from the defensive backfield? I mean, it, it, it just makes Thank sense. You. I had a chance when we talked to Jimmy, you know, when we talked about getting that inside pass pressure, you know, they had it with um, Vita Vea. Vita was crushing the pocket. Um, and he um, he got it from Greg Gaines, and he said that when talking to the NFL scouts with the upcoming draft, that's one of the big things that they really like about Greg is his ability to slip through the cracks and get pressure on the quarterback. And I think Benning could do that. He could, yeah. I mean, a lot of it's just figuring out how to do it. You got to make yourself skinny. That's what they call it, making yourself skinny. Oh, well, I'm going to get anything on that. So, but, um, you know, I mean, you don't want to give them too big of a thing to block. But I want to get back to the best 11 guys. Yeah. Who would you say is the best 11 guy? I mean, just go down the list. Best well, 11 guys. If it's, you start up front, you got to look at Levi Anzarike, which we should mention. Okay. He got booted out of one of the, the drills team for drills hitting. for hitting Jake Hayner, which Chris Peterson Became he basically uh, went unglued. I loved it because he just said, "Why are we hitting the quarterback? That is the stupidest thing I've ever seen." And basically was like, yeah. "Get out of here!" Yeah, was like, oh. and he got it. He drew a, a roughing penalty because exactly. it wasn't like it was hit during the play when you could maybe see it a little bit more. It was late. He was just like, "You yeah. cost us a field goal." Blah blah blah. Yeah, he, so, he was not happy. So let's say Levi is one of the guys in the inside. I'd say Benning would probably be two. Yeah, those two, and then you put Bowman and you put Joe Tryon on the outside. On the outside, so that's so those four. Are your front four, and then you'd have your two linebackers, your two linebackers Wellington and Wellington could be. I, I don't know. I'm not going to anoint Collar Manu as being that guy. Yeah. Because um, you've got Jackson Sermon and MJ Tafisi, I think could either one of those guys could fit in very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you I'm, could, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jackson Sermon um, is probably my my second best also, right there. I think you're gonna see only two linebackers on the field yeah. the majority of the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, well but the two outside the linebackers. two outside linebackers are anyway they're like DNs. DNs so right. yeah, we'll just call them. But what that's they are. the thing we're we're, yeah. we're basically working off that nickel base that yeah. you were talking about. But could it be? That Wellington is the main guy inside, and now they bring in someone else. So now they one of the DBs. So, so in Kim's mind, do you think it's the six DBs and then Wellington and then the front four that we've already discussed? I think, no, I think Nickel is their base. Okay, so what's their, so who do you think that second line middle linebacker is? Uh, right now, I'd say it's Kyler Manu because I think you need that bulk at two hundred and fifty pounds because Wellington's not that big. I yeah, mean, but what about Sermon? Sermon's almost two thirty. Yeah, he's, he's not. Dropped, he's dropped weight, hasn't he? This yeah. year. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it depends. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're playing that spread team, I think you'll see more of Jackson Sermon. But if you're, you've got guys like Stanford that are running, uh, you know, the running game. Uh-huh. I think you're going to want that bulk in there with Manu. Uh, well, I, and that's a good point, Kim. Because honestly, the base might the base is going to be what it is. The mm-hmm. base is the base, and right now they are kind of running that nickel base. But we saw it when they played in the phone booth against Stanford. They will go bigger. They will absolutely go bigger if they need to. 
But what's the trend? The trend nowadays is the opposite of that. Yeah. So I think we operate with the idea of the nickel of the base. But again, I think if you really do look at a best 11 right now, I, I, I think it's, I think if you're going just best 11, I think you only have Wellington and then you have the six six DBs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you could bring in, I mean, and to be honest with you, you could bring in a a key Taylor inside. And real quick, the six DBs are, uh, the three corners would be, uh, Gordon, Kyler Gordon, Dominic Hampton, Keith Taylor, now, I guess you'd have four corners with uh, Elijah, Elijah Molden over the slot, yep. and then you'd have McKinney and Bryant as your yeah. safety. And you could bring McKinney down. You could bring Bry- Bryant. used to playing at the line yeah. of scrimmage. You bring him down. I, I don't think it's that far-fetched. No, I think with that dime package, you know, like they did with Taylor Rapp, where everything's becoming where it's more of a hybrid position, um, that safety linebacker like Dion Buchanan at St. Louis. I think it's what JoJo McIntosh did. It's definitely what Ezekiel Turner did. It's what uh, Buda Baker did a little bit. Yeah, too. And again, that's why I'm thinking, you know, people might freak out a little bit because you're going a little smaller, you know, but look at what Ben Burkirvan did. If you, if you have the playmakers in there, if you have the right guys in there together, I think that alleviates any sort of the size concerns you might have because now you've added quickness. You've added sideline to sideline speed, and those guys are tenacious. I don't care what anybody says. I'm looking at Keith Taylor thinking he might be the most aggressive corner that I've seen come out of the Jimmy Lake program right now. Really? He looks fierce. He's more, more aggressive than Kevin King and Sidney Jones, you think? Well, Kevin King started out as a safety. I understand. So I'll give, I give, I give, I give but Kevin. Kevin his, King was in your face. He, he was. His but senior season. Have you watched Keith Taylor lately? I have. But just one more thing, you know, when we're talking about, you know, that dime package and you're talking about having that extra defensive back, you know, that can come up and play that hybrid, that big body, Cam Chancellor, Ezekiel Turner, Jojo McIntosh, Mm -hmm. Asa Turner, Mm -hmm. Asa Turner. I was just about to talk about a little bit of that. And he's, you know, when you saw him, I mean, we knew he was big, but when you saw him, did, did you go, whoa, he's big? Well, no, because I knew that there, there was a real question because we got to remember what was, what was happening in his recruitment, Kim. Notre Dame was recruiting him as a linebacker. Yeah. And they were negatively recruiting Washington to the hilt, saying there is no way you're going to stay at safety. You're going to outgrow it. We, we already see your future. Your future's at linebacker, blah, 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 blah. That guy could be one of those guys for sure. And, and the fact that he came up this spring – and I think specifically spent almost an entire week up here. He he was here and he was taking notes and yeah, uh, yeah, I could see something like that happen, but don't, you know, again, we talked about Cameron Williams early in this, in this pod. Do not count out Cameron Williams because I know he he had, he had a pass interference called on him that the the defense was not happy about. He's playing aggressive. Like Peterson said, if he's making mistakes, he's making them a hundred percent. He's going into walls and uh, I think they love that mentality. That was a BS call. No way. That was not interference. All right. Uh, anything else we need to touch bases on? Before no, we wind no. This up? Final I, thoughts. Since final Scott? thoughts would just be: I, I think it. it this def, today was won by the defense, but the offense did have some moments. I'm, you know, the offense that big run by Richard Newton on that third, on that second down and long play ends up run, running up the middle for about twenty yards. Good run by him. Uh, Colson Yankoff gets out in his little, uh, you know, play breaks down. He gets outside and runs for about 15 yards. Get him a first down, keep the chains moving. A couple really nice plays by the offense today. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the defense had the big day. And then, I mean, the highlight 
of the day though was was uh Troy Adams catching the pass because you know everybody loves seeing the big guys get to do something. I mean, even the defense I think loves. Do you remember when Greg Gaines got his interception last year? Oh, yeah. That the defense went bananas. They love that stuff. Oh, how much fun is that going to be in in film study? Oh, Whenever, I know. How many times will that be replayed? Yeah. If they could just get um, uh, what's his name, uh, Keith Jackson. Mm-hmm. If they could over, rumbling, over rumbling, if they could o- overdub that on that. That'd be well, let's put it this way. I was talking to Levi Anzarika after after practice, and he said, yeah, I'm not looking forward to going back to the locker room because Trey's going to be talking like that. He's going to be talking about that for days. <laughs> Trey? <laughs> yeah. Well, he said, he said Trey and Jackson Kirkland are the biggest the biggest talkers on the offensive line. Oh, don't underestimate Nick Harris. Uh, did you see Jackson Kirk, Kirkland today, by the way? So they, they throw a short pass to Chico, I think, right, Chico? And it was early. And Jackson Kirkland gets down the field and knocks about three guys out of the way, and then they, they blow the play dead. But Miles uh, Bryant had come up to kind of talk a little smack, and Jackson just chucked him about five yards. He was like, get off me. So speak, speaking of Miles yeah. Bryant, he also told me who he thinks talks the most smack on the offense. You want to take a guess? On the offense? Mm. Is well, it is it a, hold on, hold on. Is it a wide receiver? No. Is it a quarterback? Yes. It's Jake Hayner. <laughs> yeah, it's Hayner. And I, I asked him if he had learned a thing or two from Jake Brown, and he goes, yeah, I think he has. So I think it's – I think talk smack. I think people – I don't – you know, I think people on the outside just don't – they don't get the Jake Hayner. He plays he, with confidence. Yeah. Whatever it is, he you has You confidence. said gunslinger. Yeah. You said gunslinger, and I, I get it. Yeah. That's Chris Fetters. Just that, again, defense, I echo what Scott said. Defense won the day. Uh, and that's some, saying something considering a lot of those team periods were sh- on short fields, mm-hmm. didn't really allow a touchdown until the very end. And even then, it was like, eh. It was set up to be a touchdown. Yeah, it was. It, it just, the defense is so good right now. It's just they're playing at a high level, and the competition is something fierce. Um, that said, the offense did make some plays today, but it echoes your thoughts again going way back in the middle of the pod where you said they just they need to find a way to make plays more consistently. That's, that's going to be up to Jake Hayner, and that's going to be up to Jacob Eason because the biggest takeaway, again, starting at the beginning, was that I feel pretty confident that those are the two guys they're really going to start featuring now because it's been two practices in a row, and these two practices were very similar in terms of the kind of team periods they ran, the kind of scoring, the kind of competition. And so that, that to me, was the biggest takeaway is that I, I feel like whether they're separating themselves or not, and Chris Peterson will say they get more reps when you start separating, and there's, you know, you've earned more reps and more time. Whether that's actually happened or not, it, Jake Hayner and, and Jacob Eason are, are really – starting to become the two guys I think people should focus on. And I will disagree with you that the defense won the day. Mike Hopkins won the day. Getting Isaiah Stewart to sign with well, the This is a football podcast. This is a football we, podcast. No, we started with basketball. Yeah, but this is a football podcast, Kim. <laughs> and you know who's winning this uh, argument? Yeah, it's him. Me. He's the one running. Yeah, just, just ask him. I just, I, I just can't. I, I, there's a saying that I used to say all the time, words can only take a thought so far. This Isaiah Stewart kid is really special. He's really special. Um, he can do it all, and he brings you everything. He plays hard. He's a very, very skilled lunch bucket guy, if that makes sense. Go get your Husky season tickets. Yeah, it's going to be special. <laughs> you know, they'll do a whole Dreamville thing. That's his handle on Twitter. They'll do a whole Dreamville thing in the dog pack. Uh, I'm sure with the new Adidas people coming in, they're going to be all over that and creating some stuff for the dog pack in there. But, uh, you know, there's some special things happening. 
happening with uh, Mike Hopkins and the basketball program. So and, hold on. So you're saying no more Romarville, now it's Dreamville? Dream, it's Dreamville. It is Dreamville. And um, I actually had a chance to talk to Mike because he can now talk about recruits. And he was kind of laid back. And I told him I expected him to be bouncing off the wall because he's such a high energy guy. He goes, I'm exhausted. I've already done that all day. But um, Mike is one of those guys that really wears his heart on his sleeve. I mean, he's a real emotional guy, real giving, real, real caring guy. And, um, you know, even though I don't think any of us doubted that uh, Isaiah Stewart wouldn't sign, we all knew that he would. You're always a little bit concerned. And, um, you know, it's funny because when we talked to Isaiah, when he announced uh, that he was coming to Washington on TV, when we asked him, he never told any of the coaches beforehand where he was going. He never called any of the coaches to say he wasn't going to come. Mike Hopkins learned that Isaiah Stewart was committing to Washington by watching TV. That's how he learned. So uh, he's a different type you of know, kid. You know why people are, are skittish? Because they watched what happened with that kid from Oregon. Oh, yeah. Terrence Jones. Yeah, Terrence Jones, who uh, committed and then immediately after committing on TV, got on the phone with John Calipari. <laughs> I was there, saw it. But, yeah, this kid, uh, it just seemed like the more people, because when he committed, it's not like school stopped recruiting him, and the more negative recruiting against Washington that happened, it seemed to cement his decision that he was making the right decisions. So, um, anyways, I just wanted to, you know, say give big props to Mike Hopkins in the basketball program, because that's a huge day. That's a huge, huge day for Mike Hopkins. This kid is that good, and he's that special. Okay, you won the argument. Well, let's yeah. go. Okay. Mike Hopkins won the day. Okay. <laughs> I got somewhere to be. Let's go. So, just a reminder, <laughs> if you want those daily updates in your inbox as well as any breaking news alerts shoot us a note husky stadium at gmail.com husky stadium at gmail.com and if you're the first one to respond to this on the message board i've got tickets i, I bought some betting slips down in las vegas i will send out to you Washington winning the national championship at 30 to 1. It's a $20 ticket. If it wins, $600. Just go ahead and make a post out on the message board. Me, no, hold on. They need to answer a question. But now it's football. No. We're, not, it's not, we're not talking about basketball. We're talking about football. Yeah, no, just post. Be the first one to post that they heard this. Be and, the first and, one to post. and who won the day? Who won the day? That, they have to listen. Oh, they Mike have Hop to listen. Mike Hopkins oh, won the day. And that needs to be who won the day. That needs to be the answer in their post who won the day i will put a post out on the message board who won the day today and the first one to answer mike hopkins correctly will give you a 20 dollar betting slip that's good 30 to 1 you got it 30 to 1 600 600 bucks if washington wins the national championship for but, football for not, football not but, basketball football. yeah but you know in full disclosure what i was trying to do but they didn't have them out there yet because you can bet over under the amount of wins i wanted to buy some under for oregon this year but they didn't have it available so that's what we wanted to get so maybe we'll get some of those betting slips so, yeah maybe we'll get some of those so uh for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim grenolds along with chris fetter scott eklund go dogs